Hello, viewers and listeners. This is Paul from 11Z8, and I'm doing a solo movie review this evening, tonight, this morning, whenever, whenever this goes out. And the reason why is because uh, it's a bit of backup. Uh, Samira is actually visiting me for the first time. Uh, I've been living here in my current, in my where I am right now. I've been living here for nearly five years, and he's never been here, so he's actually visiting me. Um, so I thought I'd record this just in case we don't do a live one. Uh, so this is a pre-recorded, although it is masquerading as a live stream. It's pre-recorded. I wanted to talk about the movie 65. Now, this is a modern film. This is 2023. I'm just getting up the Rotten Tomatoes page and the IMDb page. Ah. Uh, it interested me because it's a bit of a kaiju movie, I suppose. It's um, It's got big beasts hunting people and things, and I kind of like that. Uh, one of the movies I can think of immediately is the Rampage movie um, with Dwayne Johnson. Uh, as a kid, I... <laughs> I had the Rampage games uh, where you're climbing up buildings, smashing stuff up, and the idea was to complete total destruction and get as many points as possible. And I just like that in general. It fascinates me. So any films where you've got those big monsters smashing stuff up and destroying things, I, I kind of like. Um, so sort of 65 appealed to me a little bit. Um, I should probably mention that... Oh, God, I'm hiccuping as well. I've... I'm on the rhubarb and scotch raspberry flavoured gin. Um, <laughs> I have a confession to make. I've spent 50 minutes recording a review of 65 in advance of this one. Um, but due to the new software that I'm using, I can't record audio unless I'm on the front-facing camera. And I spent 50 fucking minutes talking to a camera that is off to my right-hand side. 50 minutes I spent speaking to that, and none of it had any audio. So I'm a little bit pissed right now because I was drinking plenty of shots of gin while doing it. <laughs> so who knows what's going to happen right now. So... 65. Let's show up the let's show the IMDb page, and let's go through the synopsis and cast. Let's make sure that that's showing correctly. It is showing correctly. Right. Synopsis: An astronaut crash lands on a mysterious planet, only to discover he is not alone. Cast: Adam Driver, who plays Mills. Ariana Grande, who plays Cola Coa. Chloe Coleman plays Naveen, who is she is the daughter of Adam Driver's character Mills, and Nika King. I mean, she barely gets credit. This woman, Nika King. I mean, what a what a fucking easy gig. And I, may, I can imagine her agent on the phone saying, "I've got a new role for you." Oh yeah, what's that then? A movie called Sixty Five stars Adam Driver. Who? Adam Driver, the one who played Kylo Ren in the Star Wars films. Oh, right. Yeah, okay. Um, yeah, what you've got to do is turn up on set. You've got to sit on a beach for a couple of minutes and say about five lines, and you're done. Oh, excellent. Yeah, I'll, yeah. All right, sign me up. I'm done. Fucking easy gig. Really was. Um, barely showed up. Let me show the Rotten Tomatoes page. Oh, fucking hell, I'm struggling. This gin's hit. I'm drinking it neat as well. Look, drinking it neat. That's hardcore, that is. That's any real men drink gin and whiskey neat. <laughs> okay, so Rotten Tomatoes page. 36% critic score. Now, usually, if it's a low critic score then to me, that is a big signal that actually the film might be good. <laughs> because the critic consensus, they all seem to just sit around and smell each other's farts and wank each other off, the critics. They all have the same 
sort of linear views on things. Um, so I don't particularly pay much much attention to to the critic scores. Audience scores, 65%. Um, just numerically, that's going to be higher than the, than the critic score, surely, um, because there's much more audience than there are critics. So 65%. I... Mm, Fuck it, I, you know. Let's let's just let get it out there. Um, I wasn't impressed with this film. Um, I would have said sixty-five, pretty high. Wasn't particularly great at all, which is a real shame. I will start and remember this throughout this review of my notes as I ramble on in this sort of semi-drunken state. Um, the premise is better than the execution. Remember that throughout everything that I say tonight. Um, the premise is better than the execution. There's so many themes in this film that really could have been fleshed out and could have been so much more fun and interesting and even clever. But they're just kind of washed over. They're not explored in any way. Um, let's get into it. Let's get this. Fuck it. Let's do it. So. When I watched this film today, um, I I didn't know much about, about what it was going in. I knew that it was dinosaurs. I knew that Adam Driver was the star character in it. And I knew that it wasn't particularly liked. It didn't get a very high rating. So that's all I knew going in. Um but I thought I'd give it a chance anyway, because as I've explained before, I do like big beasts smashing stuff up. I like those kind of types of films. Um, there's something almost cathartic about those types of movies where they're just smashing everything down. So with the the ultimate result being that humanity has to start again, um, I think anyone, is, particularly in the Western world anyway, with everything that's going on right now, with um, finance and, and the culture and everything, um, <laughs> I think there's a big desire to just fucking just tear it all down and start again. <laughs> so, um, whatever event causes that, I just you know there's there's something cathartic and something cleansing about just fucking destroying everything, just flatten the lot. Let's fucking you know we've failed. All right, it's not really worked. It's worked to an extent, but we've got to a point now we've reached a peak and now we're on a downward spiral. We need to just flatten it and start again. Um, there's, a, there's an element of that for me anyway, personally, uh, watching films like this. Uh, so that's quite enjoyable in a way. Um, right at the very beginning, within the first couple of minutes, we're introduced to a mixed race couple, um, which seems to be par for the course with most Hollywood movies. Uh, it, it's, I think if you pay attention to the culture war that is going on right now, um, you'll see that there's a bit of a backlash going on right now. Um, if I mention Bud Light and Target with what's going on with that stuff right now in June 2023, uh, there's a bit of backlash towards this. Um, I suppose when I, when I see these things, in films, and I see like a, a mixed race couple, I immediately think that it's an agenda. It's somebody has thought about that and has purposely put or purposely cast those two actors in that role to present a certain perspective and, and image upon you as the audience. Um, it could have been two white people with a white child. Um, it couldn't have been two black people with a black child, which I suppose I would have felt, or two, um, two Latina people with a Latina child. It, it, it can't be that, no. It has to be a mixing of, of the two races. It has to be that portrayed. I don't want to get too deep into that because... Um, it doesn't bother me to that massive degree, but it's certainly worth pointing out that Hollywood has this agenda, whereas I would have been quite happy if this was two black 
characters with a black child that took place throughout this film. I'd be quite happy with that. I'd be fine with it. But it, it does show that there is a, a thought process that's going on in the casting of particular roles within Hollywood. I'll leave it at that. I do have an idea, actually, though, based on the back of that. And that is, um, why not cast all ugly people to do the roles of these films? Um, Adam Driver, fairly convincing actor, not bad in this. I mean, I, I, I didn't question his acting performance. It was fairly good. But let's face it, he's not the most attractive of Hollywood actors. Um, and the daughter portrayed in this as well is not the most attractive. Um, and the character that plays his wife or his partner or whatever it is, and we don't we don't even know, we don't we don't learn what, what this is. Um not the most attractive. So if Hollywood went we've re we've reached peak representation diversity now, I think, in Hollywood. We've reached that peak. So perhaps the next level is to just get ugly fuckers to play characters in the Hollywood movies. Then, therefore, no one can be ever offended ever again. Maybe that's like the ultimate end goal. You just get fat, obesely overweight people to play characters, get scrawny little nerdy type character uh, people to play these characters in films. Um, you know, just the average man on the street. Maybe that's what it is. You know, you just go out in the streets of LA and employ the average fucking homeless person to play a character in a Hollywood movie. Therefore, you're doing your bit for representation and diversity, but you're not offending anyone either. Another sip of gin there. Should probably stop, but, you know, once you've started. Anyway, a little bit of a rant, but let's move on. Oh, fucking, where do I start with this film? So it's a bit difficult, actually, because I've, I've just spent 50 minutes talking to a different camera. And now I've got to do it again. <laughs> uh, the joys of learning new new, new software and shit. Um, anyway. Uh, if I do like a basic rundown of this film, I'm not very good with non-spoiler reviews. Right? I don't give a shit, basically. If you've watched this film then great, you'll understand what I'm talking about. If you haven't watched this film, then you probably shouldn't be watching this review of it because I don't give a fuck about spoilers. If you watch this and get annoyed that I've ruined bits of the film, then more for you, you know, that's your fucking problem, it ain't mine. Um, let's talk through this film, the, the, the basics of it. So a man with a partner, wife, whatever, is not fucking explained. We have no idea who these people are. With a daughter who is sick, She's coughing a bit, right? So supposedly she's sick. Um, he has to do a job um, or a mission or uh, a barter-type system. I, we've got no idea, absolutely no idea. Does currency exist in this environment, in this world? We have no fucking idea. Um, he apparently has to spend two years of his life traversing space doing something for maybe for money or some sort of credit system or some sort of barter system, we have no idea, in order to get drugs or some medication or resources or whatever it may be to save his daughter, it's not explained. We have no fucking idea whatsoever. Um, so after the scene on the beach where he's with his family, uh, we are then transported to a a bit where he's on this big cargo ship and he's transporting human cargo in cryostasis, a bit like Alien, you know, where all in those chambers, you know, asleep, whatever, in stasis, whatever. Um, he's the pilot of this ship. Um, he's abruptly awoken uh, by the computer artificial intelligence telling him that there's a meteorite storm and that it requires human intervention. Why it requires human intervention is not explained. I don't understand why um, human intervention is required when you have artificial intelligence at that particular level. Uh, when you consider in current day, in today, June 2023, when we are facing artificial intelligence, 
basically making hundreds of thousands of people, if not millions of people, redundant, um, even my day job, potentially redundant, why the fuck an advanced technology AI is asking for human assistance to, to navigate a meteorite storm blows my mind. I have absolutely no idea what happened. Anyway, the ship gets torn to pieces. Um, part of it survives, you know, where the pilot is. He crash lands. Um, he then uh, obviously goes and explores a little bit of the landscape. We then see some indications that there are dinosaurs on this planet. Um, he then discovers that there is a another part, another part of the broken ship, fifteen kilometers away, and that part of the ship contains an escape pod. Um, so obviously, he wants to get to that and get the fuck out, right? I mean, who wouldn't? Um, along the way, he also discovers that there is one survivor from these cryo pods, whatever they're called, and it tends to be, well, it tends, <laughs> it turns out to be a nine to ten-year-old girl who doesn't speak English, bravo, no, a super gin. Now, the fact that she doesn't speak English, to me, seems like a, uh, how do I articulate this? Um, it seems to me the, the fact she cannot speak English is a cost-saving exercise from the Hollywood bean counters. Um, bear with me on this train of thought, but um, in my semi-drunken state, I have thought about this. And in my previous review that I recorded earlier, 50 fucking minutes of it that is completely trashed, um, I elaborated on the fact that I am pretty sure that the screenwriters of this film in order to save money, have said, right, second character, nine to ten-year-old girl, John, you got time to uh, write up some some dialogue for this character? Nah, mate, too busy. I've got other shit. Right, okay. Sarah, wait, wait, Sarah. You got any time to write up some dialogue for the secondary character? Nine to ten-year-old girl, you know, speak some fucking Spanish or whatever it is? No? Oh, okay, then. All right, okay. Right, well, in that case, second character doesn't speak English. And you're immediately cutting your script down by, by 50%, surely. Surely that has to be a cost-saving exercise. Surely that is a case of... You don't have to put anyone else on the team <laughs> writing dialogue for this secondary character. I'd love to know the insides of the, you know, let's face it, everything in life has a bottom line, right? Everything in life has a cost, okay? So I would love to know from an insider, if there is any Hollywood insider that watches this, um, I'd love to know if there are budget constraints that would make a screenwriter or anyone that's writing, you know, the dialogue of characters make that decision where a second character doesn't speak English. Therefore they don't have much dialogue to say. And you're, you're kind of, you're reducing your workload by about 50%. Surely. I'd love to know. Let me know. <laughs> Another zip of gin. This is hard work doing it on your own. <coughs> um, when I get a little bit, you know, when I make a point on these uh, movie reviews, I like to have somebody that I can just kind of like pass over to make a comment. Um, but when I got to do it on myself, it's fucking hard work. Anyway. Let's move on to the next point. Um, <laughs> uh, meet your scene in the future. Do we really think that? Yeah, we've already, we've already covered that. Uh, 65 million years ago. Uh, that is a good point, actually. And, and it's an interesting one. As I said right at the beginning, the premise is better than the execution. This film takes place supposedly 65 million years ago. So... Who are these people 
some advanced civilization. It opens so many questions with the advanced technology, the fact they're all speaking English, um, but yet this film takes place 65 million years ago and they're landing on the planet Earth before the extinction event that wiped out the dinosaurs. Nothing is explained, but it is such a fucking fantastic premise. It is fantastic. It gets my brain whirling at the thought of that. That is fantastic premise. This advanced civilization that we've that we in current day have absolutely no idea about, but yet there's advanced technology, advanced weaponry, advanced navigation, all that stuff going on. 65 million years ago. I mean, what does that mean? That where do we come from? You know, where, where how are we on this planet? It's absolutely fantastic, but it's just thrown away. It's just not express. It's not fleshed out at all in this film. It's such a fucking shame. But anyway, yeah, this film is supposed to take place 65 million years ago. I've got a note here that says some reliance on jump scares. Um, Yes, big reliance on jump scares in the first hour of this film. And this film lasts an hour and 35, 36 minutes, something along those, those lines. Um, but for the first hour, there's jump scares. And that is to keep you interested. There's no other way around it because you don't have any context, any background story, any context of what characters are where they come from you are just kind of left there passively watching this film um play out in the moment rather than really sort of understanding anything and it's it's almost like the editors of this film have sat there and they're they're watching well they're, they're watching the clips you know if you've ever done video editing you probably know you have to watch stuff maybe sort of five to six times to get the right cut, switch stuff. And and I'm pretty sure that the editors put the jump scares in to keep themselves interested. Because as an audience member, there's many parts of this film where I'm, you know, I'm reaching for the phone and I'm looking up like the fucking, um, I'm looking on Twitter and shit about what's going on. And I'm almost forgetting that the film was playing. Um, but yet throw a jump scare in, and immediately, like, you, uh, immediate attention. And I don't like jump scares. I think they're very cheap, very basic way of getting the audience's attention. And also there's a certain level of kind of anxiety when you're watching a film that relies on jump scares. You can never fully relax whilst watching it, which is really, um, well, it just makes you feel uncomfortable. Yeah, you're watching something and there's always a jump scare and there's another jump scare and you don't quite know when there's going to be another jump scare. You just don't feel comfortable in your own fucking home watching it. Um, I just think it's a cheap way to keep attention going. And up until I think it's the 59th minute, there's still jump scares in this. Uh, I just think it's a very cheap way to keep the audience's attention. Um, there is a scene in this where uh, Adam Driver's character, Mills, and the the child character, Cola, whatever her fucking name is, I can't remember now, um, they save a dinosaur. This dinosaur is trapped in this kind of like puddle of what looks like oil. I don't know why there's this random puddle of oil in the middle of a forested area. It's not... I, it's contrived, basically. Uh, so you have this dinosaur in a puddle of oil, and it can't get out, and it's going, you know, going, meh, meh, and it's trying to get out of the oil. Um, the the female character, the, the child character, who's nine nine to ten years old, she sees it, she jumps over over, she tries to save it, and then Ad, uh, Adam Driver's character Mills is like, no, leave it alone, leave it alone. What are we doing? What are we doing? Um, and eventually ends up helping out. They they heave this dinosaur out of the oil or whatever the fuck it is. Um, and the dinosaur drags itself off, right? And then you see it attacked by a bunch of uh, velociraptors, which are about like, like the size of your average house cat, I think. Um, anyway, tear it to pieces, kill it. 
the girl freaks out um, and they end up hiding behind a log and uh, it's like, you know, shut up, shut up, unless you want to get torn to pieces by velociraptors, shut the fuck up. Um, anyway, the velociraptors just go off about the business and do whatever they need to do. Uh, but it really did make me think about the brutality and the harshness of the planet Earth before humans were on the planet because empathy is a human trait. If you look at um, a bird of prey, say, like uh, an eagle or an owl, and you look in their eyes, even like where I live, right, in uh, the county of Cornwall in England, we've got uh, gulls all over the place, right? Gulls, they nest in the roofs and stuff, and they fly around and they squawk and they make strange noises. If you look at a gull... If you look in its eyes, there is no empathy there at all. There is no hint of any empathy. They are just primal, almost machines. I need to eat. I need to fuck to reproduce. I survive. And then I die. That is it. You look, there's nothing else in that brain going on. Absolutely nothing. Any bird of prey you stare at and you think, fucking hell, that is one brutal, cold-hearted killer. That bird of prey, whatever it may be, does not give a fuck about the feelings of its prey. So if you're on a planet full of dinosaurs, there's just no... It's just it's almost incomprehensible. You know, I, I was born in 1979. I've known supermarkets. I've known packets of crisps or potato chips, whatever you call them, wherever you are, um, uh, canned drinks, uh, ready meals, you know, all that stuff you get at the supermarket. You just go and buy it. I'm hungry. I'll go to the fast food restaurant. I'll go to the restaurant, whatever it is, and eat. But back 65 million years ago, it's, it was almost incomprehensible. Um, and that was a fascinating point of this film. And to see that these two characters are kind of like running around and kind of surviving, they would have been done in minutes in this film. If, if we were being completely um, honest for this film, these two characters would have been done in minutes. They would not have survived a couple of nights in the wilderness with uh, dinosaurs. Um, <laughs> it's just brutal, savage. And, and at that particular part with the saving of the dinosaur, where the, the humans are showing empathy and trying to help the dinosaur, but yet it's just torn to pieces anyway, it just really hit home that, no, this is fucking brutal survival stuff. Um. I think I briefly mentioned that the uh, main character's daughter is sick and dying, which is why the main character is on the ship in the first place. Um, the, the the female the, the female child character that um, is picked up from the cryopod is clearly a daughter replacement, and it's trying to establish this parental instinct of of Mills's character with this new female character that was roughly the same age as his daughter is trying to tie into this parental instinct that um, Mills's character has. It doesn't work. It, it, it feels forced. Um, it, uh, the idea is good, but you don't feel a connection with any of the characters. I think that's probably the biggest factor is that you don't understand much of the background of the characters, so you don't feel any connection to them. So the, the, the parental side of things, the parental instinct, this, this nurturing instinct that's supposed to um, boil to the surface, it just doesn't really work, which is a real shame. Um, there's a lot of cliches in this film. Uh, if you're my age or above, uh, 44 years of age, you will watch this and you will know what is going to happen well in advance. Um, it, 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 we've seen it and done it all before. 
it there's nothing new in this film. It, it is disappointing. It really is. Um, but you'll know within 20 minutes, maybe 30 minutes of watching this film, you, you'll know the ending. You'll know what's going to happen to the two characters. You'll know what the screenwriters are trying to portray. You know, there's that saying that one is born every minute. There might be an audience out there, a very naive audience out there that watches film, uh, and it will be the first time that they see these types of things. One of the cliches that uh, is in this film, um, there's a particular scene where the the young female character can have a sip of gin. Keep me going. There is a scene where, uh, <coughs> oh, Jesus. <coughs> right. There's a scene where this particular female character is um, isolated and she's stalked by two dinosaurs. And they are slowly creeping towards her, right? You know that that same old Hollywood scene that you've seen a thousand times before. We have these, you know, slowly kind of creeping up to her, rather than just jumping on her and getting the job done. They're slowly creeping up to try to build up that um, that feeling of um, anxiety. That that you know, you know what I mean. And um, lo and behold, Adam Driver's character, just as they're about to pounce, Adam Driver's character fires off a shot, bang, kills it, and the girl is saved. And um, there's a lot of that. There's a lot of cliches in this film where it doesn't feel like there's anything particularly unique. It's a tried and tested formula for Hollywood to just churn out. Um, so you just kind of feel like you've seen it all before. It's like you've been reincarnated about five times and you know, you're just watching the same stuff repeated over and over and over again. There is a lot of advanced technology in this film that is, is an interesting concept. Considering this is supposed to be based 65 million years ago, um, there's a this whole technology that Adam Driver's character uses. Obviously, the spaceship is one big fucking technological technological advancement. I mean, 65 million years ago, and people are flying around spaceships. That's a pretty pretty big piece of technology, right? But the weaponry, the rifle he uses, um, we don't really understand what ammo it uses. It seems to work on some sort of like electrical charge, so that once the battery is depleted, you can't fire it anymore. But we don't actually learn what projectiles it fires. We don't see him reloading the gut, the rifle in any way. Um, but the technology itself is pretty cool. It, it's um, it makes a pretty decent noise, which is quite satisfying. Um, and it's taking out dinosaurs in one shot, which is quite good. Um, yeah, I, I quite I quite like the technology in this film that's portrayed. I've briefly mentioned that the relationship development between the main character and the girl feels a bit rushed. It feels like you're trying to cram in um, about a year's worth of relationship building into um, sort of 45, 60 minutes. It, it's sort of really ham-fisted. It's, um, you, you feel almost cringe when they're hugging each other and shit. It's not great. Um, there is a particular scene in this where there is a parasite and it really was poignant to me because watching this it had no real bigger context in the film it, it felt like it was just kind of added for the sake of adding it and the girl is asleep there's a perimeter that the guy that the meals uh, adam driver's character has set so it's a perimeter a safety perimeter they've both slept out in the open uh, the girl uh, goes to sleep. He goes to sleep. He wakes up at a certain point, and you see the perimeter is kind of like these warning signals, the perimeter, that something is coming, right? So obviously um, Adam Driver's character, Mills, wakes up and feels immediately like, oh, shit, we need to do something. So he tries to wake the girl, and there's like, this kind of like strange fluid coming out of the girl's mouth. Um, he flips her over onto her back, opens her mouth, and there's this kind of bug with two pincers just kind of sat there, right? Just kind of watching and, and do whatever the fuck parasites do. Um, and this like sort of spewing of this kind of like milky kind of fluid out of her mouth. So Adam Driver's character on Mills, he tempts this parasite out 
and it immediately explodes on impact. And he flips the girl over and she's kind of like spewing out all of this shit. Um, and then we move on. That's it. We've got no context as to how this got into her mouth, um, where this parasite came from, um, why, you know, what it does, why it's there. We've got absolutely no context whatsoever. It's just a scene that happens. And that was my feeling throughout this entire film, is that there's just a bunch of scenes. You know, here's the T-Rex confrontation. Here's the parasite bug. Here's the subterranean dinosaur confrontation. Here's this. Here's that. It's just a section of scenes. It reminded me a little bit of one of the Indiana Jones films, actually, that we've reviewed on this channel. Um, fuck, what, what was that? That was one of them that was based in India. What was that? It was the Temple of Doom. That was it. The Temple of Doom just felt like a series of scenes that were loosely stitched together just because somebody had an idea of that particular scene. And this film feels exactly the same. It's just a bunch of ideas that are just loosely sort of stitched together. Uh, and that particular parasite scene really did hit it hit home with me. Um, I didn't feel any connection between any of the characters while I was watching this. I didn't really give much of a shit about what happened to any of them. Uh, another, another sip of gin. Oh, God. <laughs> the reason why I announced when I'm taking a sip of gin is for the podcast listeners. I don't want them to think that silence is um, the fact that I've run out of things to talk about. Oh, fucking hell. I'm on the... Um, Rhubarb and Scottish Raspberry Gin. It's, I think it's like a supermarket special. Um, it's not a branded gin. It tastes very nice. Uh, the reason why I'm drinking it is so that I don't have to worry about chilling some um, tonic water in order to drink it. I just sip it neat. Fucking real men do it neat. Anyway. God, that joke could have landed a bit better, couldn't it? Do I look... Am I struggling? You look at look at my eyes. Are they a bit? <laughs> I've been going thirty eight minutes by myself. That's quite impressive, actually, considering I've already recorded fifty minutes before this by myself with no audio being recorded. That was a rookie mistake. <laughs> so this is the second time I'm reviewing this review. Um, biggest there it is, right? The biggest problem with this is um, a lot of the stuff takes place in dark or low light environments. I have a theory and this goes with the screenplay. This is very connected to the screenplay one. Right? I mentioned earlier that the screenplay, if a character doesn't speak English, then you're right. You, you're basically reducing your workload by 50%, right? Um, well, 50% depending, if there's two characters, it'd be 50%. If there was three characters, it'd be 33%, etc. You get the idea, right? But the fact is, is that if your character can't speak English, then you're, re you're essentially reducing your workload, right? From a very practical, pragmatic sense of actually, we watch films and we see them as art and we, we respond to them as being entertainment and stuff, right? But ultimately, when you, you're behind the scenes, you know, that, that side of things is all about the bottom line. It's all business, right? So if you can reduce, reduce your weak, lo uh, weak load, fucking hell, you can reduce. Re <laughs> I've had too many shots of gin. If you can reduce your workload by 50% or 33% or whatever, then happy days, right? Um, and this goes the same with CGI. Now, hear me out on this theory, right? I try and flesh this out. There's a lot of films recently that rely heavily on CGI for monsters or aliens or whatever it may be, right? However, if you put those scenes in dark, low-light situations, then you don't have to pay a massive amount of detail on the CGI. Therefore, the CGI can be a little bit more cheaper a little bit quicker a little bit more slapdash you're not focused on details so much because the overall 
layer on top of the recording is dark. It's low light. So if your CGI is budget and it looks shit, if you put a darker layer on top of your movie edit, you can reduce that audience expectation on details, etc. Right? You with me? You understand? That is my theory. That is why you see a lot of films, a lot of Hollywood films these days, with like shaky cam or dark, low-light environments with the CGI aspect, because they know that they can save a bit of money on the CGI by just making it look darker in a low-light environment. And there's a lot of that in this film. There are some scenes that are in, in broad daylight, and we do get to uh, focus on the CGI things. Um, but a lot of it is in dark, low light. So it does, I, I, you know what, I wish I had a contact as, as a, like a Hollywood kind of editor or insider. If there are any that do watch this, I very much doubt it. Well, fuck you. No, no one watches this fucking stuff. But if they do watch this or listen to it, get in contact. I would love to know if budget plays an impact on that because so many films I've watched that rely on CGI in certain aspects, you're reaching for the remote to turn the contrast up or the fucking brightness up because you can barely see what you're squinting at the TV screen thinking, fucking hell, I can't see this shit. What's going on? I don't understand. I'd love to know. I really would. But that's my theory. The little girl goes primal. That's another point in this, actually. Um, this girl... As I mentioned before, she doesn't speak English. She speaks kind of like um, a dialect. It's almost like a Spanish dialect. It's it's kind of odd. But she has this sort of instinct in one particular part of the film. She's on her own. And she has learned previously that you shouldn't eat these berries that look a bit like raspberries. Right? They're poisonous. Um. So what she does is she manages to find this, like it looks like a dinosaur tooth or something. She extracts this dinosaur tooth from a log. And then she gets a load of these berries and mushes them and spreads them out on a leaf. And then she puts a dinosaur tooth on the leaf, wraps the leaf around the dinosaur tooth. So it is a poisoned tooth, right? It does make you wonder. Well, it, no, it is a poison stabbing implement. That's what we should probably clarify it as. Right now, you know, as well as I do, that watching this, you think, well, that's going to play an important, pivotal point in this film. Why would you do that? Fucking pointless. Unless it plays a pivotal point in this film, and it turns out it does. And uh, but where does that instinct come from? Where does that potential knowledge come from i mean if you think of sort of um the fact that she speaks spanish as opposed to english it almost like implies that she has this kind of hidden or this kind of ancestrally passed down wisdom of this sort of stuff um whereas mills adam driver's character mills is fucking shooting this plasma rifle, whatever the fuck it is, we don't really understand. Um, he's got these little bombs that he throws and blows stuff up and that. Whereas she's relying on this um, natural kind of, um, you know, um, this this natural poison to kill stuff. Um, are we supposed to think that because she doesn't speak English, she has some kind of inheritant inheritant inherit um, wisdom that's passed down to her. I don't get it. It's so fucking weird. It is odd where that instinct comes from. Uh, she is portrayed as being somewhat knowledgeable in survival and bushcraft because there's another scene where um, Adam Driver has a rope and he kind of, you know, very visually says to her, need to tie on something strong, right, so that I can climb up. Um, and then the rope comes down, Adam Driver climbs up, and then you see that what she's done is like a web of points. She's not she's not just taken the rope and put it on one particular point that's strength, that, that is strong. She's sort of like weaved this web 
of rope around multiple points to give it um, strength because it's not reliant upon one single point, right? And he climbs up and he goes, oh, good job. And that's it. So who the fuck is this girl? Why? What? It, it, you don't understand. It, it's never explained and it doesn't make much sense at all. An hour in, we're still relying on jump scares. Another sip of gin. Sorry for the pause there, audio listeners. Um, yeah, um, I think I mentioned it before, whether I did this in the previous recording. I can't remember now. But, um, we're still relying upon jump scares an hour in. 59 minutes, there's still a jump scare. So this hour, this film lasts for about an hour and 37 minutes, I think, around about that time. And an hour in, we're still relying on jump scares to keep people interested. Um, there is a very interesting point that's made in this. Um, the the girl, Cola, whatever her name is, um, she scrolls in some, into cave walls, um, uh, some stick bend drawings of her family. And I thought, considering that this film is 65 million years before or 65 million years ago, the fact that people are, you know, that she's scratched in some cave paintings, I thought was quite interesting because, as we know, we, we've got evidence of cave paintings from prehistoric man in cave walls and stuff, you know, describing hunts and and various other things. Um, I just thought that was a really cool concept that wasn't particularly fleshed out. It wasn't. I don't, I don't know what else they would have done with it, but it was just a cool concept. I quite like that. That, you know, maybe from 65 million years ago, when this film takes place, to like today, 2023, people might find that particular engraving on the car, on the wall that she did. And it's a primitive caveman thing. Although, actually, they were more advanced technologically than we are today. I just thought it's a pretty cool concept. And it goes back to the point I made right at the very beginning, is that the premise of this film is better than the execution. The premise, there's so many things in this film that are absolutely fucking brilliant. The ideas, and they, they could have done so much with it. But yeah, it was just kind of, this film feels like it was literally shat out on a budget. They talked about the dark and low light conditions and uh, we talked about primal which is referring to my notes here um we learn actually that the meteorite shower that takes down the spaceship in the original um in the initial sort of 10 minutes of this film and we learn that uh, that is a, a prelude to the big extinction event so as the two characters are trying to get off of earth um, there's a meteorite storm or shower that is happening. And that is the um, the documented big extinction event for the dinosaurs. You know, that meteorite hits and just totally obliterates the entire planet. Um, so that's uh, it's another cool concept of this film. It, I mean, that's fucking brilliant premise. That really is absolutely fantastic. The whole scene of that, it just makes you think. And it put me in a situation like, wow, that's that's amazing, you know, to have these two people, these two humans running about on a prehistoric planet, and they're about to witness the extinction event of the dinosaurs that rule the planet at that time. That's interesting. Right, let's refer to the notes. Um uh, right, okay, you start to watch, you start to see meteorites hitting the Earth, and it made me wonder if two characters while watching are supposed to be aliens or time travellers, that's a point. Um, it's, there's a lot to this film um, that is left, there's a lot, you have more questions than answers coming out of this film, and a lot of them are not really fully explained, and usually, I mean, I've said on this channel a number of movie reviews, that I don't like stuff explained to me, I don't like it 
I don't want to be feel like I'm being spoon fed the story. Um, but I guess there's a fine line with that because I want to I want to know a certain amount. I want to feel a connection to the world, the environment, the characters that are being portrayed in the film and the story in general. Um, but I didn't feel that with this. I just I just felt so disconnected. It was like literally they're just there's these ideas that the screenwriters have had and they've just thrown them on the pages and just put together this loosely, this sort of loosely put together plot. And you just feel disconnected from it entirely. Um, there's so much opportunity here that isn't realised. I, You have to watch it to understand it. Uh, and I, I'm think I'm hoping anyway that if you have watched this film, you will understand where I'm coming from. Is that there's this kind of emptiness? You feel sort of sl- you feel empty from watching it. There's a lot of stuff that is unexplained, and it's very easily, sorry, very easy to just dismiss this film when there's so much interesting premise that could have been built upon I'm, I'm sort of going into my own mind here rather than talking to the camera and the microphone i'm in my own head at the moment trying to articulate how i feel about this film mm. so let's wrap it up let's try and uh, speed ahead here until the end I'm amazed that I've done 52 minutes by myself without any um, interaction with anyone else. Fucking hell. I didn't think I'd be able to do that. That's quite, an inter- that's quite an achievement. I'm happy with that. Whether you've managed to last the whole duration of this video and podcast. Is that... um, right, let's get to the end. So we have a final TX showdown in another dark, low-light environment. Uh, you know that the girl is going to use a poisonous tooth and berries trick to kill something. Um, yeah, you know that's right from the very beginning. You know, well, I say right from the very beginning, but you, as soon as she wraps that shit up in a, you you just know that that's going to become a very, um, you know that that's going to be used, uh, and you're just kind of sat there waiting for it, really. Um, and the end scene, she ends up stabbing this dinosaur with this tooth in the eye and because of the berries, the poisonous berries, it ends up killing it. And yeah, um, it's all very fucking run of the mill stuff. It's not very intelligent script writing. Um, one thing I do have a question about though is it, like, it's a bit like even dating back to Jurassic Park, right? Cause this is a sci-fi Jurassic Park movie. Um, but even Jurassic Park, right? Why why would a, a T-Rex, for example, te- try and tear through loads of steel and aluminium and wires and other shit just to get to something inside that, in the bigger picture, wouldn't even be a, an hors d'oeuvre? Um, so the end scene of this film, you have, the, you have the final showdown of a T-Rex and some other T-Rex-like dinosaur. Um why on earth would a dinosaur expend all that kind of? Uh, why would a dinosaur expend or T Rex expend all of that energy for the sake of trying to get to maybe one or two human beings, which are very small um, food sources? Right? Surely there's got to be easier prey out there than there is a couple to two humans. So why bother? You know, when, when you think about it from a very pragmatic, practical sense, like I do with a lot of things, um, my day job requires me to think like that. So when I watch movies, it's very pragmatic. If I was a T-Rex, right, very small reptilian brain, I would think, why the fuck would I bother attacking this metal steel construction 
trying to get two very small morsels of meat out of it when I could just go into the forest or the jungle, wherever it is, and have a whole wealth of much bigger prey that would arguably much be, be much easier to catch. The whole thing falls apart when you think about that. Um, yeah. So you start to see meteorites hitting Earth in this film. And um, it may be at that point throughout this film, when, when they know that the meteorite is about to hit, they know that there's this big fucking meteorite about to take out the entire planet. Um, at that point, I really thought to myself, yeah, who are these people? And are they aliens? Are they time travelers? What are they? Um, and there's so many questions left unanswered about who these people actually are to the point where you, you kind of want to stop watching the film. I mean, like, no, you could have done better with this. Who are these people? Why are they here? Why are they doing this? Um, it's a little frustrating. We have the final T-Rex showdown. Again, it's another dark, low-light environment, so you can't quite see the CGI of these dinosaurs. Again, that's a little frustrating. And you know that the the child actress is going to use that poison tooth that she created earlier on in the film to take out one of these one of these dinosaurs to the point where it's fucking annoying. You know it's you know it's coming. And just as Adam Driver's character Mills is right on the right, right on the precipice of being like fucking destroyed by this dinosaur, just rah, just done in one bite, this girl just appears and stabs this dinosaur tooth into the eye of this this 20, 30 foot dinosaur and ends up killing it. And you just know, like right if you know, from 40 minutes in or whenever it was, um, when she took this tooth and, and, and laced up the poisonous berries and leaf, you knew from that point that that was to become relevant at the end of this film. You were just kind of, from that point to the end point, you were just waiting for it to happen. And you knew it was going to happen. And therefore ruins the kind of the rest of the film. You know it. it you just know it's going to happen. So you're sat there anticipating it. Um, the brain almost switches off at that point. I can only imagine, like, your average fucking 12-year-old or 10-year-old might be sat there watching this film, totally engrossed, enjoying it for what it's meant to be, a um, an artistic kind of performance. Um, but all the adults in the room or anyone over 12 is sat there just going, ugh. There is no way that human could outrun a 20 to 30 foot dinosaur as well. Uh, the end sequence, you see Adam Driver's character, Mills, running through various different difficult terrain, uh, fallen logs and shit. Um, and he's running around. Um, <sighs> and this dinosaur is following him. This dinosaur is like 20 to 30 foot tall, right? Big legs. And it's also got all fours as well. It's not a T-Rex where you have those little tiny arms, those little fucking ridiculous arms. Um, it's got full, like, four, four legs, essentially. There is no fucking way a human could outrun that. I'm going to sneeze in a minute. I'll try and hold it back. Ugh. Sorry about that. Um, <laughs> there's absolutely no way a human could outrun that fucking person and it's mental. But yeah, he does. Somehow he manages it. Um, it's frustrating to see these things. So let's wrap this up, right? Let's wrap it up. Okay. I'm amazed that I've been going for an hour by myself here. Um, something I really did like about this, actually, towards the end was the the credits when the credits start rolling there's this kind of like this set this scene where you see the skeleton of the dinosaur that's been felled by Adam Driver's character when it's dead and there's just bones 
and you see fires from the meteorite storm, the meteorite impact. And then you see another scene where the it's no longer on fire. And you see another scene and another scene and another scene where the layers and layers are on top of it. Until you see this scene where it's just it's just um, grassland and mountains in the background. It's a very beautiful looking scene. And then you see the next scene you see like there's human civilization. There's cities and stuff, you know, the skyscrapers and whatnot built. And then there's farmland with field boundaries where it's been farmed and agri, you know, um, crop, crops being agri, um, uh, agriculture, signs of agriculture. That I quite liked, actually. I thought that was quite interesting. So I suppose it, it kind of inspired thoughts that um, if an archaeologist was to dig in that particular spot, they would find the bones of this um, this T-Rex or whatever it is, this dinosaur. And the whole story that we just witnessed is related to the death of that dinosaur. It's just something um, I can't quite explain. Um, I've had it since I, was, since I was a child, this fascination of history. Why did this thing I've just found end here? what why i'd love to know the backstory behind it so that kind of just that really hit a key with me that little end sequence it's only like maybe a minute 30 seconds um in the summary with this film we do not learn if both characters are saved we assume they are saved when they go off in the escape pod uh we assume that they are saved but we don't learn that they are we don't learn where these two characters came from or if they're part of some sort of advanced civilization that we're traversing the various different universes. Uh, we don't really learn much about them at all. And we don't understand why... <laughs> this is a big downfall, right? If it's an advanced civilization before known civilization, before the human existence that we know today in current day why the fuck were they speaking english or why the fuck was one of them speaking english throughout the whole film that doesn't make any sense and um, we don't learn anything about the daughter's health condition and why he left the planet to try and earn some money we don't know if it's money he's earning we don't know if it's a barter system we don't know if he's mining resources we have no fucking idea and um, we don't know about the daughter's health condition and why she died um, we learn fuck all from this movie. We learn absolutely jack shit. It is just a movie made within this particular instance, this particular point of time. There's no bigger context explored. There's no desire to um, explain the characters' backgrounds and, and try to connect with them and engage with them. It's just not very good. It's not very good at all. Um, I'm disappointed with it. Actually, I was kind of hoping that um, I was kind of hoping that this would be a little bit more interesting. What it is. So, if I was to wrap this up and give this a review, um, a review score out of ten, um, I've just actually just typed that. Um, yeah. I'm going to give this a 5 out of 10. It just... It, it, the, the premise is better than the execution. As I said, right from the very start of this, is that there is so much that they could have elaborated on, and they just didn't. And and whether that's like budgetary reasons or or the fact that, you know, the, the screenwriters and the, and were just not particularly engaged in... In the film, they, they just didn't, they just kind of lost interest after a while. I have no idea. But yeah, that's a five out of ten from me. And you know what? I am fucking amazed I have lasted an hour and five minutes talking by myself on this film. So I'm going to leave it there. I'm not going to bother you anymore. Um, I don't know what the next review will be. Um, you can find us on social media. Um, you can listen to this as a podcast if you wish. I guess that's it. This is the first time I've done a solo review like this.
let me know what you thought. Was this good enough? Uh, do you miss uh, like Samir being involved? Um, or would you be happy with me doing this on a regular basis? That'd be interesting. I can sack off Samir. <laughs> I can say, sorry, Samir, you're no longer fucking needed. All, all Paul has to do is have a few fucking sips of gin. I'm going to have another one now. Fucking waffle on about this movie for an hour. And job done. Don't need you anymore. Sorry, mate. See you later. Let me know. Let me know. Thank you for watching or listening. And uh, we'll catch up with you soon. So it's good night from me.